and I'm so grateful. I every day I feel like this is the coolest window of my life, and if it ends at some point in time, I I've been so happy that even one ounce of my love of music could be shared with the world, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Welcome, welcome to episode 13 of the Thank You Notes podcast. I'm your host, Travis McVeigh. Today, my guest is Jacob Givens. You may have seen Jacob on TikTok or Instagram. He does these really funny videos showing how much he likes 90s alternative music and hard rock music and metal and just an all-around music enthusiast guy. I did some digging on his account and turns out he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which if you're a listener of the podcast, you know I am too. What I really like about Jacob is that he's spreading a message of embracing what you love rather than declaring what you hate. It's kind of the way I want to be in my midlife, and so I want to bring him on to thank him for preaching this to the world. So without any further ado, let's talk to Jacob. Got it. Got it. Confirmed. Okay, we're live. Jacob Givens. We're live. It's happening. It's It's real. Yes. One of my first internet friends, purely internet friends. Yes. Yes. This is our first time actually seeing each other face to face via mm-hmm. a Zoom call. So I, I I did a little research on you, uh, and uh, apparently you're, you're a man of many talents. You're a stand up comedian, an actor, a writer, a music enthusiast. Yes. What don't you do, Jacob Gibbons? I am. Uh, I'm terrible at sports. Never, <laughs> never was good at that. Mm-hmm. Athletics, never my department. Okay. <laughs> well, to give to give the, the masses a little bit of info on how we met, I the algorithm just started showing me this guy making these really funny, like crazy videos about 90s alternative music, which I love. And so right. I, I tracked you down and I did some more research and it turns out that we're both from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're both graduated yes. from high school in the late nineties. So I, I messaged you and what gives, and we've been, we've been going back and forth. So thank you so much. It's, this means a lot for me to, for you to be here. Yeah, man. Look, I've had a lot of podcast uh, guest requests recently, but when somebody's from the home turf, <laughs> I got to respect, I got to represent, and I got to say, well, it's going to happen now. In all honesty, I really was taken by the concept too. Because it is a really, really like cut deep, like meaningful subject to have for a podcast. I thought it was awesome. Well, great. Thank you for for saying that. So let's let's get into it. Jacob, are you a thank you note writer? Sure. Yeah. Uh, terribly not very good at it. I, I have definitely written thank you notes at the urging of others, but I've been a terrible note taker, as in thank you notes and notes in general my whole life. I've always been kind of up here and I'm an incredibly verbal person. Most of my actions of love and appreciation have been through my words and uh, speaking to the person. And so I'm not not very good at writing thank you notes. So when you do, let's say you did receive a gift, what what do you typically do? Is it a text? Is it a call? Is it it's a call? A, okay. A call. You know, if the person lives here, you know, and is in my circle of friends, they would obviously, you know, one thing I'm known for on social media and in my videos is enthusiasm. (laughs) And that that carries through in every aspect of my life, I would nobody has ever described me as being, you know, a mellow, or introverted person. Um, I'm very expressive. And so somebody gives me a gift, they're gonna get the they're gonna get the full, you know, ah, this is great. (laughs) I love it so much. 
And if I got a gift via mail, I would I would definitely call or FaceTime that friend and and praise them uh, endlessly for sending me anything. So that's great. Yeah, I like that. So I wanted to we can start at the beginning briefly and then get to the meat of the topic is how did you get from Oklahoma to California? So even back in high school, and I went to Jinx High School, that's where I graduated. I had already in the middle of high school, and I'm going to try to keep this succinct. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I'm a talker. In the middle of high school, my entire family, we picked up and moved to the Chicago suburbs um, because of my mom's teaching job. And I didn't have a very good experience there for the one year. So I actually went back to Jinx High School without my parents, and I lived with a friend of the family uh, for my senior year. I think that if I hadn't done that, it wouldn't have opened up this idea of even leaving Tulsa or leaving Oklahoma in general, because I had never really ever pictured my life outside of my hometown as a, as a teenager. I just always thought, well, I'm going to be here and this is where I'm going to end up. And once I went to Illinois and then came back again and opened up this idea of I could, I could go other places. And I was an actor in high school um, big time. The mm. Theater was my life. I was in musicals and productions. And so when I went to college, I ended up going to University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And that really put the idea in my head that I could make it as a professional actor. I think throughout college, I thought more of a stage actor. And that trajectory leads you to Chicago or New York. But I met some friends along the way, and I'm still friends to them, with them. They're my neighbors, actually. Mm. And they got me involved in film and making, you know, videos and things like that. And they they were the ones that kind of said, hey, what, what about trying your luck in Los Angeles? And uh, so right after graduation, I got married my senior year in college. And I'm my wife and I are still together to this day. And um, we decided together, she was an actress as well. We decided to load up our car, drive across country and start our lives here in the year 2001 as a newly married couple, which is not the wisest idea to go to a brand new city with no real support system, uh, newly married. Uh, It's not a good idea. And we years later, yeah, years later, we were like, wow, we really doubled down on the level of challenges that we wanted to throw at ourselves uh, being first married. But We made it through, we survived, and I spent many, many years chasing after the entertainment dream out here. Um, Acting, I I did like, you know, some short films, student films. I did some, you know, extra work, SAG extra work on some movies. You can see me in The Prestige. You can see me in The Hot Chick with Rob (laughs) Schneider. These are all background roles. Mm -hmm. Over the years, I just kept transitioning to other lines of the creative path like screenwriting and comedy because i just i really wanted to become a creative full-time and the cost of living and the challenge of you know having a family and everything it just it just never really seemed to uh to happen uh you know like the, the like the thing just didn't seem to break and so been here now for 22 years and making videos and on TikTok and everything that happened for me over the past two years has been the most surreal thing to happen to me in my 40s after two decades here of, mm-hmm. of really, you know, trying after it. So that's the that's the long story uh, as short as I got, I could do it. That's well put. Well put. So let's get into the, the TikTok. So you started making these in during 2020 during the pandemic. And then you had one or two just go go viral. What happened there? 
during the pandemic, people kept saying to me, you should make a TikTok. And I really scoffed at the idea because I, I was like, I'm too old for that platform. I'm not a dancing teenager, mm-hmm. you know. I had done Vine. I had done all the other crazes. And so I was really kind of didn't care too much about it. But I had been making these silly little videos and going into 2021. And I had 23 followers on there. Nobody, just Mm -hmm. friends and people I knew. A a friend of mine that I knew through stand-up comedy in at the end of April suddenly died. And uh, he was only 30-something at the time that he died, and it was an accidental death. Uh, It was really unfortunate, and I was having a tough weekend, and I sat there, and I was playing music, and I was, you know, really relying upon it like music fans do. You know, you really lean in hard, and the relationship that I had with this guy, um, the, the friendship that we had was bonded over bands and we talked a lot about Metallica and grunge and, you know, so I was sitting there and I was listening to to music and, and uh, I Nirvana came on and I was thinking about the 1991, you know, the, the first time I saw that music video and I grabbed my phone and I made this silly video where I was talking back and forth to myself and I, I put my phone down. I didn't publish it. I put it in my pocket. And then the next morning before work, I woke up and, I opened up TikTok and it said, hey, you have this unpublished video. Would you like to publish? My, and my finger hovered over delete because I thought, uh, you know, who cares? This, yeah. What is this? And I hit publish and um, forgot about it for the day. And it wasn't until lunchtime that I looked and it was 70,000 views. And by the evening, it was 150,000 views. By that night, it was 300,000 views. And I told my wife, I was like, I think I'm going viral <laughs> on TikTok. And so the next morning I tried to do the Radiohead one and that one got to a million within 24 hours. And both of these videos, Nirvana and Radiohead were getting so, so much attention. This is the first time that I wasn't trying a bit or a sketch or trying to do a joke or comedy in any specific way. I was actually just kind of being me being Jacob and the way that I experienced things and people were enjoying it. And I think it was about two weeks later that I made the rage against the machine one And my mom was visiting me from Oklahoma at the time. I made the video and we're sitting there at breakfast and Tom Morello has retweeted it. And people are sending me, you know, they're texting me and I get sent a link to a spin magazine article. And it says, you know, comedian perfectly shows you how he first experienced nineties music. And I'm sitting there across from my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm in spin magazine. And she goes, wonderful. Is that good? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing, mom. It's really, really yes, cool. Mom. It's uh, yes. And so that was a, that was a really cool turning point for me where I, I knew that I was on something. And what I loved about it is it really wasn't me trying to do much of anything other than just be myself and share my, my love of music. And that's how it happened. But before we get to music, I just wanted to ask most of your videos or your TikToks are you talking to yourself. Are these like two parts of your personality is this like id and ego or what who's talking to whom here i love that question um early on somebody said who's the other person supposed to be and i made a joke and i i sent a picture of um brad pitt and ed norton in fight club (laughs) and i said it's my tyler durden but in all honesty i would say 80 percent of the time 70 percent of the time it was my brother Really, my brother Joel, um, who's older than me and still my best friend to this day, and he and I really experienced a lot of bands together at the time. But early on, I kind of decided that one person of the two was in the know 
mm-hmm. and the other person was just learning. And I that was like a good way for me to express what it was like to experience an artist. And I had tons of friends at the time outside of my brother that I remember those specific conversations with that I that I had. But there always seemed to be whether it was me who was in the know, but there always seemed to be somebody who is more in the mm-hmm. loop than the other person, you know, like, oh, this is Allison Chains. Oh, what? You know, and you you kind of had that back then. There was a little bit of vying for I know more. There's no Internet, right? But exactly. Every, everybody had older brothers and older cousins and older siblings that could teach them or they would get something passed down to them from some college, you know, relative that would, you know, hand them a mixtape and blow their mind. But you kind of wanted to show off and be like, I'm in the know. <laughs> you know, I, I know about this band. Yeah, it's kind of the, the the way that I was introduced to Fugazi. I was in a van heading toward, I think, Cushing, Oklahoma, and this guy on the team nice. next to me was just like, I was like, "What? What is that?" And he's, like, "Oh, it's Fugazi." Nice. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're cool. And then cool, cool. And then I had to go home and like, it, it was hard to find things there. It's like you you can't even find that at the record store most of the time. So no, no, you really had to go to. It's not like you could go to Music Land in the mall and 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 find you know anybody who's really well versed on Bugazi. You know, you mm-hmm. had to either go to a local record store. Or you had to talk to somebody else. I remember being on the bus and this kid, you know, telling me about you know Smashing Pumpkins. Gish, I think, came to me on a mixtape that this kid gave me and I really even didn't pay that much attention to it. Then it wasn't until Siamese dream that, you know, it kind of flipped things around for me. But anyway, so yeah, that's how you got music. It was word of mouth. It was somebody who was cooler than you mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the, uh, let's, let's get into music because we're both okay. music lovers. And what was the first piece of music you ever loved? A really big moment for me was falling in love with Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. And mm. I know that's an unusual choice, but at a oh, very yeah, you're young... show tunes guy. Well, at a young age, my mother, my mother uh, did not like rock and roll. Not at all. And not OK with it. And it really was like shut off that noise. And we were church going family. My dad was kind of secretly like leaning in unbeknownst to my mother being like, I love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I love Jimi Hendrix, you know, mm-hmm. like I, that was where the rock was coming from. But in my household, we, we were playing everything from Patsy Cline to Willie Nelson to old classical music. And I think that film scores and things that had a lot of movements and arrangement really kind of blew my mind. And I used to clean the house to like do my chores to Rhapsody and Blue. Mm-hmm. But the album that changed my life forever is Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. That's the and album that changed my life. This is a dumb question, but what but why? What what about that album? The the distortion to me sounded like caramel coming through the speakers. Mm-hmm. It was so thick and sweet. And something about his voice sonically, I know Billy Corgan's voice is not for everybody, but it is it's sonically matched that so well because it like cut right through it and i've always been a quiet loud quiet loud guy and mm-hmm. that goes back to gershwin's rhapsody in blue and that goes back to that's right ar- arrangement and dynamics is that if you one moment are t- playing something really soft and calming and then you and then you just punch me <laughs> with something immediately after that i was like that's the feeling i want for the rest of my life i love it and I remember being in high school and showing friends bands outside of the pumpkins and a buddy of mine, 
I showed him a band and he's like, of course you love this. Cause it goes quiet, loud, quiet, loud. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's, that sums me up. Yeah. I guess you, you already had your own algorithm, your own Pandora. Yeah. I did. But I did. The thing I like about Siamese dream is I had never heard drums like that. Yeah. And it Jimmy was like an entire wow. album of when the levy breaks. Cause there's just these totally thunderous drums. And I, I, it, that was the first thing that grabbed me about the pumpkins. And I, I like that pumpkins. I love that album. I'm I'm not, they weren't like my band, but I, I always love the pumpkins. I'm always down to hear them. My favorite song from the album was rocket. Oh, that's a great song. And you great made song. a point on your podcast. When you taught, you have a podcast called waterproof records. We can talk a, <laughs> a little bit about, but you made a point that the first single was disarm that allowed them to differentiate themselves as this other kind of band to draw people in rather than just releasing like a straight up rock and just getting lost in the shuffle had rocket just come out first. I really liked that song, but it would just, it would just have been another like banger rock song and it would have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of the the nineties. So that, that I had never thought about releasing singles that way until you, you talk, talked about it on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, especially during that era, 1993, 94, when when things were getting dropped left and right, you had you were competing against these buzz clips and Gish while it was coming around the same time as Nevermind. It just didn't get the mm-hmm. attention. So here they've got this they've got this album in 93, but the world is getting awash with Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Stone Temple Violets and Soundgarden. And every every other every week you would have a new single or band and you'd be like, is this one I should pay attention to? Or is this like one that's going to be here and then gone? Yeah. And so I think that there was there was definitely an idea behind how you presented yourself to the public. And that's that dynamic range, right? Mm-hmm. Like a song, a ballad with strings in it was not coming from everybody. I'm going to enlist your help on something for me is that when I get into the car, when I fire up my Spotify, I, I find that I'm listening to a lot of Weezer a lot of Dave Matthew, a lot yeah. of the the same old stuff, and it's hard for me to find new stuff. So, how do you sure. find new stuff, and does it make it into your rotation, like with the the, the tried and trues? Oh yeah, I, you know, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about Spotify and all that stuff. It's just unmistakably the greatest tool, at least for my experience, in terms of music discovery, music curation. I still have people in my life that we send each other stuff constantly. And especially since the nineties is kind of becoming in vogue or popular again amongst the, you know, the youngest generation, you've got tons of these artists emerging that are inspired by the music we grew up with and you really hear it. And so all the time people are going, have you heard this? Have you heard that? Now it gets a little overwhelming sometimes because especially in my, my messages and comments and, things that I get, I get more recommendations than I could ever keep up Mm -hmm. with. But my circle of friends give me a lot. And then I'll make playlists that say like, you know, I like this band. And then I'll go and seek out through the algorithm of Spotify. Like, let's say I'm listening to Helmet, Mm -hmm. right? And I'll go to Helmet Radio, go into Helmet Radio, and then I'll see the bands that Spotify is kind of lumping in with this category. And sometimes they're not on the money but every now and then, you know, they'll they'll throw me something that's pretty spectacular. And I found some modern bands, you know, nothing for shoegazy deliciousness, idols for kind of this more 
you know, post-hardcore, aggressive, you know, there's all these bands that I'm starting to find. And I find that once you find one that's making music right now, and then you make a playlist, you know, incorporating modern bands, you really get even further and further the the branches and the roots spread. So I rely upon Spotify and I rely upon friends okay. to share. Yeah, I, I don't, I hate to admit it, but the algorithm knows me pretty damn well. Every time it pops up something or it makes a playlist for me, I'm, I'm, I'm that's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They're, they they know me really mm-hmm. well now, and I'm also I have two I, I have two kids, mm-hmm. and um, I have a very strict nobody uses dad's Spotify policy in this household. So like, they're not allowed to ruin it because they're listening to all sorts of you know random kid pop yeah. w- craziness, and I'm always like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not on dad's Spotify. So I got I got the family plan just so that they could have their own yes. so that mine can stay stay pure. <laughs> that, it's funny you mentioned that because we have been it, I have a three year old daughter and we've been introducing her to music and we we're, we kind of we don't listen to a lot of like the kids music or anything. So we've been playing her yeah. songs that my wife and I like and she loves girl singers. She only wants girl singers and mm-hmm. she only wants sad songs. And so love it. we, she loves Liz fair, but there's only like, oh, there's wow. only like four songs she can listen to. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You, you, you know, there's a lot you have to skip, mm-hmm. skip, not gonna, not gonna do F and run. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was running around the house the other day saying, who the hell are you? That's amazing. That's amazing. Sorry. I was, I almost laughed as I was taking a drink as you told me spit that and I was almost did a spit take there. That's great. To get to the, my point, I had always heard of the band Heim. But now yeah. that I'm listening to all these these girl rockers, they start throwing that into my algorithm, and they are amazing. They're amazing. They are amazing. Yeah, I've been jamming to that for a, a, a while. So that so there you go. That, to the algorithm. That's how it works. It, it it does start to figure this out and starts to throw you. You know, like I was listening to a lot of Hum, and they threw me this modern band called Narrow Head, and I listened to it, and I was like, wow, this is kind of like a modern day Hum. Yes. So it's pretty cool. Is it a hum picture a poster behind you? It is. It is. It's a, it's a <laughs> hum right there. And then the mm-hmm. oh, almost fell out of my chair. There's the Siamese the dream. Siamese dream. Yeah. And then that's my mother's copy. That's why I have it. That's back ah. from the six. That's uh, from the sixties. So awesome. Did you introduce your son to nineties music and did he like it? <sighs> this is a point of pain. I have two for, kids. So I have two kids. I have a I have a fourteen year old and I'm an eight year old. And so. Okay. It's so funny because as a fan of anything, you kind of dream of the day that you have a child. Like, let's give the example of Star Wars, right? Most most people from our generation love Star Wars. And then you hope you have a, a child one day that loves Star Wars. And for me, that was the thing is I kept thinking, oh, I can't wait to show my son the Smashing Pumpkins and grunge and rock and he's going to be so into it. And it has never landed. And it's been such mm. a fascinating um, lesson for me in understanding that everybody is their own person. And no matter how much you want to expose them to things. Now, my son will sit and listen with me and go, that's cool, dad. He's very nice and respectful. But he is really into video games and uh, video games have a lot of beats and a lot of kind of the you know drum and bass and techno. And so he got pulled into that. So I've had to learn to really appreciate his music tastes and mine. He can appreciate them, but he doesn't doesn't really mm-hmm. get into it. 
Now, I've shown him some post-rock bands like Explosions in the Sky, and he really likes that. He likes anything that's very cinematic. And then my eight-year-old, he does, like when I play some harder, heavier riffs and stuff, I see him kind of furrow his brow and kind of go like this, and I'm like, ooh, he's got it in him. He's mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna love it too. So I it's the verdict is still out on his tastes because he so much wants to do what his older brother does. So it'll be interesting oh. to see what my youngest does over time. That's his own path. So yeah, I'm a big I'm a huge Beatles guy, and so I was I had it planned out that we were gonna go album by album. We're gonna listen to everything. We're gonna do headphones on the pregnant belly and all that. For sure, she's. She's just, yeah, whatever. Totally. And I mean, I that's I had the same vision in my mind. And Beatles is a big part of our family as well. And I would say Beatles is the one thing we can put on on like a family road trip. And everybody's cool with it because it's like, you know, it seems to work. It seems to be not too heavy, not too slow. Everybody can yeah. sing along. So that's been nice. So. All right. Well, Jacob, I'm going to get to what's thank you note the section of the. This went so fast. I feel like we're we're feel like we're just it getting did. warmed up. We're at 27 minutes, and I told you 30 hey, to 45. I, I, so I'm I'm being respectful appreci- of your time. I appreciate it, but this has been this has been really really cool, and and uh, I've enjoyed it. Dear Jacob, I wanted to take a moment and thank you for sharing your love and philosophy of music, celebrating the music you love by talking about it on Waterproof Records and making viral TikToks about your favorite songs is so much better for humanity than being the millionth person to hate Nickelback. As I have aged, I've found more reasons to be proud uh, to be from Tulsa. Coming across your work is the latest edition. Keep up the good work, Travis. Ah, that's awesome, man. I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. Seeing your 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 TikTok, it really struck a chord. The the, the midlife crisis I, I, I want to have. Like, yeah. Embrace the things you love. You know, just don't spend time on the things you don't love. That's been a mantra of mine and not to spend too much time on that tangent, but you, Mm -hmm. you put a fine point on it, which is everything about my journey online has become, has been about me becoming more my authentic self than ever before. LA is a city that is full of lies. It is full of you trying to be something to please everybody else, trying to kind of make people like you and you're willing to change and bend who you are in order to get that acceptance right around the time that I gave all that up and said, I'm done with it. This happened. And in my adult life, it's reawakened. I've always loved music. I've always been very passionate about it, but as life got busier and jobs and family and obligations grew, I spent less and less time with that huge part of my identity and coming back to it now has been so fulfilling and seeing responses from you, the thank you note that you just wrote me and people going, thank you. I forgot about this song or thank you. I needed this today or your videos bring me joy. I'm like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm so grateful. I, every day I feel like this is the coolest window of my life. And if it ends at some point in time, I I've been so happy that even one ounce of my love of music could be shared with the world. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Wow. Yeah, man, you're, you're, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> thank you. So Jay, have you brought a thank you note for us? I did. I did. Okay. And I wrote it down because I, I knew my normal inclination would be to, um, to just wing it 
and go <laughs> off the top of my brain like I have my whole life, but I figured this time around I would actually write it down. So there are a lot of people I can thank for a myriad of reasons, but seeing as the subject today centers around music, I wanted to thank my brother Joel. Joel, we have spent a lifetime of sharing a love and passion for music for as long as I can remember. While you might be surprised to hear this be the subject of a thank you note to you, as there are a million other ways you've been there for me as my older brother, but when I think about a band I love or a song I remember or a piece of music that I have to share, you are almost always the first person that comes to mind. We spent our childhood family road trips with our parents' music that we often mocked occasionally sang along with or even dreamed up pretend skits or scenes set to music. But once we had enough of their music, we would throw on our Walkmans and stare out the window to our personal selections. We'd swap cassettes from time to time, sometimes overlapping our musical tastes, but having enough of our own preferences to keep it interesting. You started playing bass guitar first, so I knew I had to get a guitar for Christmas so I could play music too. Even though the bass eventually fell away as a part of your life, I kept playing guitar, and I'll always remember trying to learn Megadeth's Tornado of Souls opening riff and you making me play it over and over again until I got it down, and I did. As adults, our lives got busier, but we would always get together and talk about the latest bands we were listening to. Our family knew that we would want to sit in a car for a while and crank up the latest mind-blowing song we were into. Thank you for being my music brother. I've spent most of my adult life searching for a friend who has the same music tastes as I do, and I never found a match. They've come close, but never the same level of love that we share for songs. So my thank you note goes out to you, Joel. Thanks for the music. Wow, that was great. Thank you. Where is Joel these days? He lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, man. He is a professor. He teaches uh, at Purdue, the campus there. So my brother is an academic and didn't follow mm. the artist's life, but he's crazy about music like me. And he even did a cameo in one of my TikToks. He was visiting me in L.A. It got it got attention on TikTok, but Instagram, I think it could be worth of a, a repost. Um, mm. It was one we did for The Cure. We did a cure, uh, the cures of forest, and it's a really cute little bit because in the video yeah. I'm talking to myself while listening to the song, and then you see a tap on my shoulder, and then my brother swaps out for the other guy, and we do the rest of the reaction together. So it was a lot of fun to make with him. All right, Jacob. Last question: sure. uh, Did you like growing up in Tulsa, and do you like it more or less now as an adult? I have mixed feelings about Tulsa. I did love growing up there. I really did. I had a great childhood. My view of the world was very small, and that can be a nice thing as a child. It can be very nice. I mean, we grew up, we we had the luxury of growing up in a time where the internet wasn't a thing yet. And so mm -hmm. my lens was small, and so that made for a very simple life. You know, I lived for a short while in a neighborhood with a pond and a rope swing, and so you could describe it as very Huck Finn you know, yeah, for, Norman, Rockwell. Norman Rockwell for quite some time when I left and I came back, I think that that was the hardest was that when you kind of remove the rose colored glasses and you remove this small lens, you see a much bigger world and it was very hard to return back to visit. And it still is to this day. 
because I see a lot of people, not everybody. I have some wonderful, mm. lovely friends that live in that city and do their best to love and be open and be thoughtful and care about people. But there are so many from my past that um, I I think it's a shame. Uh, and so I, I have a very mixed feeling about going back there, not to not to attack anybody too much, but it's, uh, yeah. it's definitely a strange place to go back to. I I kind of have a similar thing. I really enjoyed growing up in Tulsa, but I didn't even know that North Tulsa existed until I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And we did a community service project. And I had no idea it was that that was for the, the, the people that don't know about Tulsa. North Tulsa is the uh, the I don't know. It would, it's the ghetto of Tulsa. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, r- the, it's, it's rough, the, rougher. Yeah rougher it's very rough it's very other side of the tracks and i had no idea that was there i had no idea i lived in such a segregated city yeah now all the stuff is coming out about the the 1921 tulsa race riot yeah which you know i didn't i never learned about that in high school i learned about it from other people i know i learned i mean honestly it was one of those things they just didn't teach and I, i was asked about that online when Watchmen was coming out um, and I answered, honestly, I said they taught it as if it was this misunderstanding and it was, mm-hmm. the, you know, and I was like, they did not teach it as a massacre and we did not understand what was happening. And it was very, very kind of muted and glazed over like, uh, it was just this thing that happened mm-hmm. and let's not worry about that too much. And then as it came yeah. to light, we were all kind of like, oh, my God, what? Yes. So, yeah. But honestly, I like Tulsa more now. It's a lot more open-minded. You know, Kane's Ballroom is an amazing concert venue. It is. And they're and they're starting to embrace that. And they've, you know, the BOK Center, there's national touring group. Paul McCartney played there. Right. And, and that area of town has grown and developed. And I haven't been back since 2017, but when I went, I was blown away by how cool North Tulsa had gotten. It was so... Yes developed and there were amazing communities of people. I think that my negative experience really comes more from my South Tulsa sheltered, you know, a lot of those people that, that I just, I don't know, you know, there, there are great parts of Tulsa. You know, there's just other, there's this other side that is just still focused on, um, on, on wealth and, and keeping up with the Joneses. And I, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, there's people I don't necessarily want to run into when I go there, but as as far as a city, I, I think I like it better That's now good. than I did back when. <laughs> All right, Jacob Givens. Yes, sir. Uh, what a pleasure. Thank you, I Travis. I appreciate this. Yeah, Travis, this has been great. I'm glad we mm-hmm. made it happen, and uh, it's an honor to be on the show, and I really appreciate your thank you note. That was very kind, and uh, what a cool concept, and I wish you the best of luck with the show, and I hope it continues to grow and you get more and more people to hear it and, and check it out. Wow, what a good guy. Really good guy. He and I actually have a lot in common. We spent about 10 or 15 minutes after we stopped recording, talking, and getting to know each other and learning about each other's families. And he's just a a really good guy. I'm glad I made that connection. I will put a link to his Spotify account in the show notes. He makes great playlists. Please check him out. Please check out the 90s alternative playlist he made. I listen to it all the time. He also has an Instagram account and a TikTok account like we talked about. Those will be in the show notes. 
He is the host of two podcasts, the Waterproof Records podcast, where he talks about his favorite bands, favorite albums. He even had, has guests. He has the bassist for the Smashing Pumpkins on. Uh, other people are in there. His brother was on there, too. And he also hosts the Biofriendly podcast, which has to do with his day job. Anyway, uh, let's keep rocking and rolling. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad I'm still podcasting. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>